Welcome to Season 1, Episode 5 of Operator Revolution, the podcast about operations. I'm Jason Carvalho, founder of Toronto-based OperatingAcademy.com. And I'm Clint Overton from the Overton Group in St. Louis. And we are your hosts. In today's episode, we're going to touch on metrics that matter, goals and scorecards, and vision and values and strategy. In a time when work is more complex, global and distributed than ever, an organization's ability to clearly define and align teams to strategic initiatives has never been more important. Even though most companies set goals, research has shown that only 26% of employees have a clear understanding of how their individual work contributes towards company's goals. That's because most teams set goals at the beginning of a year or quarter and never revisit them again. While most companies set goals, only 16% Of knowledge workers say their company is effective at setting and communicating company goals to increase their employee engagement. The top impacts of lack of clarity of organizational goals are confusion about priorities, where to focus efforts, lack of motivation, difficulty working with team members, lack of alignment with the team. In the era of remote work, goals have changed, but company communication hasn't. 47% state that the company-wide goals have been deprioritized. 43% revealed that deadlines have been extended. 45% of global companies say their company goals have changed at least once since moving to remote work, with a significant number shifting goals even more often. So that's what the survey says. What does real-world experience tell us? Clint, those are some lofty numbers, some fun facts, some fun stats. So do the stats, are they real? Does it add up? When we go into these companies, are we seeing what the stats are telling us? No, I think it does for sure. And I think the reality is, is that regardless of size of company, which the data that you you presented reinforces, is that the focus on the here and now and the blocking and tackling that we're all kind of engaged in on a daily basis takes us away from the things that really allow us to stay on point and stay on focus. When I think about metrics that matter, which is kind of the core part of what we're planning to talk about today, I mean, really, if you, from a simplified perspective, measurements allow you to chart your progress in the most important areas of your business. They enable action and create accountability. And one of the things that for me, that's come up, I think on a pretty routine basis and talking with business owners that are struggling is really having a way to evaluate daily, weekly, monthly, where they're at and how they're progressing. But more importantly is that the businesses that are struggling significantly often are struggling because they feel like there's not a true capability for accountability within their business. And when you start to backtrack to the symptoms that have caused that, in many cases, it's because of the fact that there's not goals metrics to keep everyone on point. And that ties back to our most recent episode episodes talking about operators. So I think a, a big component of the fact that there is no routine, there are no specific KPIs, people are not disciplined in the organization is because there isn't an operator that owns that and is able to move that ball forward. No, I think that's true. And I think the other part of it as well, when you start to talk to business owners and leaders, there's always some type of rationalization on why they're not doing these things. And 
you know, for, for lack of a better term, kind of excuses in terms of why they've chosen not to. And I think the reality is in many cases, the reason why they haven't is because they're not exactly sure how they're overwhelmed by the proposition of putting those things together. And one of the things that I think is important when we talk about metrics that matter, it doesn't mean that you have to have a 15 page scorecard or dashboard to run your business. And if you don't have anything today, to me, the important thing is to do something. Doing nothing is never going to be the right answer. And I think the reality is, is that in, in putting together metrics that matter for your organization, start simple. Make it easy to understand, easy for the team to comprehend and follow. And I think the really important thing is once you have those measurements in place that represent the things that are, that are most important in your business, is to build a routine around it. And what I mean by that is making sure that you have a time and place and expectation where people are going to be reviewing them, talking about them, and then acting upon the results appropriately so that everyone buys into the fact that it's part of what is the fabric of the organization. Yeah, 100%. And so for those OKRs, objectives and key results. Remember, the objectives are typically historically defined by the executive or management team. The KRs, the key results, one wants to work in tandem with your staff, with your managers to define those out. One finds um, staff and managers will take more responsibility if they're included in the process. So it's not so much dictatorial as it is inclusive. The time you spend as an executive team, maybe it's on a Sunday, maybe it's in a retreat where you're actually looking at the quarter, thinking through what the objectives are. You getting more clarity on what those objectives are is going to help provide that type of insight that your managers, your staff are going to, are going to require and to go in and really define out what those KRs are going to be. And once they've done that, that really then helps them understand what their week over week day-to-day activities are going to be. No, I agree. And I think the the other way to think about this, like just simplistically, and we, we've talked about the kind of the concept of firefighting in your business and, and a couple of the other episodes that we've had previously, is if you really just start with what are the things that if you measured them would allow you to proactively identify fires before they got started? or at least identify them at a state that they're easier to manage. And I think if you if you step back and you think about what are the what are the key numbers that can help you anticipate problems before they become problems, that's always a good start in the creation of your metrics. And it's an exciting process to undertake. One thing that I find is you start to have a lot of voices come out. One big, big part of organization that's struggling and that has multiple fires is that uh, staff, key staff, don't necessarily have a voice to provide feedback and a voice to say, hey, actually, here's what we should be doing. And so it's, it's again, it's another great opportunity for you to be able to go back to the key team members and just give them an opportunity to provide feedback, specifically in those key results sections on what should be done in, in that specific department 
to other help fight that fire or help with that specific objective that you're outlining? Well, and I think that it's, it's important to recognize when you're leading a business, especially one that's growing and has, especially one that has any type of scale to it is if you're leading that business, you're, you're in a lot of things every day. And your ability to have your eyes on everything is very, very difficult. And so kind of two key points here. One is that recognizing that the people who are closest to the work likely have the best insights is really important. So that aligns to what you were just talking about, that you have to have the folks who are kind of in the line, in the trenches, helping identify those measurements, because you also want to ultimately hold them accountable to having some ownership of those metrics within their particular teams. The other thing that I think is important too, is that as an owner or CEO or leader of your business, it's very easy to get stuck focused on what we might call vanity metrics. So you may be focused entirely every week or every month on top line revenue or profitability, or maybe some other measurement, depending on your industry that helps you identify as a leader in your industry or, or an emerging leader. But there are always fundamental things that are required to really understand if the engine is running at the rate and speed and at the quality that you expect. And that's where you need to spend the, the time and reflect on what are those metrics that matter that really help you understand the overall health of the business day-to-day, week-to-week, and month-to-month. Goals and scorecards. How many companies use the balanced scorecard? Recent findings suggest that half of major companies in the US, Europe, and Asia are using balanced scorecard approaches. The exact figure varies, but the Gardner Group suggests that 50% of large U.S. firms have adopted the BSC by the end of 2000. Again, a bit of an old stat here, but don't have to find anything new these days. A study by Bain & Co. finds that about 44% of organizations in North America use the balanced scorecard, and a study in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria finds that 26% of the firms use balanced scorecards. Think of the balanced scorecard as the dials and indicators in an airplane cockpit. For the complex task of navigating and flying an airplane, pilots need detailed information about many aspects of the flight. They need information on fuel, airspeed, altitude, bearing, destination, and other indicators that summarize the current and predictive environment. Reliance on one instrument can be fatal. Similarly, the complexity of managing an organization today requires that managers be able to view performance in several areas simultaneously. The balanced scorecard allows managers to look at the business from four important perspectives. One, how do customers see us? Customer perspective. Two, what must we excel at? Internal perspective. Three, can we continue to improve and create value? Innovating and learning perspective. And then finally, four, how do we look to shareholders' financial perspective? So let's talk about the balanced scorecard approach. At what point 
is a balanced scorecard being implemented in an organization that's on fire? I think it's a good question. I think it depends. People I mean, love to use scorecards, right? They love to use that word. Do you have a scorecard? Do you have a scorecard? Do you have a scorecard? Most people, I don't know what the hell a scorecard is, right? No, I, I agree. And I think, I think this goes back to really understanding what the sources of the problems are. So when a business is on fire, there could be kind of a number of reasons that have gotten the business there. And likely many of those things are not things that just happened recently. It's been emerging over a period of time. And so, you know, it's really, really critical. We, we've been talking about metrics that matter. And in order to create metrics that matter, you have to have really a baseline for that. And to me, that starts with goal setting. And those goals are important because of the fact that they create real understanding in terms of the incremental movement that you're moving your organization towards the strategy and vision that you've set up for the business. The metrics that matter allow you on a routine basis to understand what the elevating issues are that can potentially cause pain for your business in the here and now. Also helps you chart your progress day-to-day, week-to-week in terms of the goals that have been set. So this goes back to what steps need to happen and in what order in order to really do these things effectively. And to me, the creation of those goals and metrics that matter are really key because they become really the foundational elements of the scorecard that's gonna be utilized as really a framework for your business to create clarity and communication to all levels of the organization in terms of the health of your business, where you're and where you're going. And the other thing that it does, which is really, really important uh, that we touched on, touched on at the top of the episode today is that it creates accountability and it should create accountability for everyone, including the CEO, owner, leaders of the organization, and then everyone down to the person who is doing what may seem as the most insignificant thing in the business, but everyone is contributing to the greater good. And all of these things build on one another and need to be done thoughtfully and with, I think, you know, great care. Because if you put together a scorecard just for the sake of creating a scorecard, then your ability for the rest of the team to get bought into that is probably not going to have long legs to it. So we know goals are typically measured in terms of progress made towards achieving them. Objectives, on the other hand, are often measured in terms of how well they are met. We know and we've said that objectives um, can be set out by the executive team, KRs, the KR and OKR key results are going back to staff and, and getting the team's feedback on, on the KRs. Who is typically historically working on setting goals? I think that's always a confusing question. You know, when we're in an organization, who owns goal setting? Is it the CFO, you know, at the 30,000 foot or is it by department or is it the person that's running the social media campaign? How do, how do we navigate through that? What have you seen 
uh, operators do to navigate through goal setting? What what's the process that's usually involved in that? There may not be one direct answer here. I think it's yeah, every organization's it, different is the probably the be the best answer, but. Well, what I can tell you based on my experience is what I think is kind of most critical as the anchor point to all of that is you do have to have top line goals created by the overall leadership team that defines here that, that aligns very specifically to the hopefully well-defined and communicated strategy of the business. So the, so the goals for a given year and month to, to, to get to the end game for that year at the highest of level should definitely be created by that leadership team. Then I think that in order to put together all of the other functional level goals, which are really important and individual goals that go underneath that, that you have to have input and buy-in from the owners of those functions and contributions from subject matter experts and key leaders within those teams. And the value of that is, is a couple of things. One is you want to create clear and understandable goal alignment top to bottom on the organization. You want the goals for each function to make sense and to be lock and step with one another, clearly contributing to the same objective and not in conflict with one another. And you want the individuals who are doing the doing, so to speak, to have a voice in goal creation because their ability to buy into that is exponentially higher if they contribute to the design of those goals. But in, ad in addition, it makes the accountability process much easier. Because if, if, you're, if you're part of the design, it makes it certainly a lot harder to make excuses on your inability to deliver on those goals as set. Vision, values, and strategy. Let's run the numbers for context. Uh, so let's go back. Survey says, in a 2019 Gardner survey of over 7,500 employees across multiple industries and regions, more than half of the respondents indicated that they were not familiar with their company's strategy or vision. Furthermore, the study found that employees who were familiar with their company's vision were more likely to be engaged in committing their work. There is a growing body of research that shows that value-driven companies who walk the talk enjoy better brand and business performance as well as public admiration. Companies like Zappos, Apple, and Airbnb service clear examples of how corporate values impact most every aspect of a company's offering, from product to marketing to customer service to financial management. In fact, the correlation between corporate values and performance is so strong that nearly 90% of American companies reported that they have a set of clear, defined corporate values. So why don't we declare victory and move on to the next topic? Question, what percentage of your employees can recite all of your company's core values was asked in a recent fond.co survey. Only 22% have responded that 60% or more of their employees know their company's core values. Half of that, 11%, could say that 80% of their employees know all the core values. Let's let that sink in for a moment. 
Only about one in 10 HR leaders believe that 80% or more of their employees are able to recite core values. On the other hand of the scale, 54% of responders believe that between zero and 40% of their employees knew their company core values with 29% of them, zero to 20% likely range. American business has largely not achieved its achieved its goals in this area because it's not just about creating and communicating corporate values. In reality, success is all about having employees internalize and live these values. So with that being said, survey says the data doesn't speak too highly for employees knowing and reciting their core values, knowing their vision, knowing their strategy. So is that what we're seeing when we're walking to these companies? My hands up. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is not surprising at all and certainly supports your personal experience as well. And, you know, it's interesting. It goes back to our discussion earlier about vanity metrics and focused on like how much, you know, what's my, top line revenue, what's my profit? Like, and that's enough. Well, the reality is, is that it's enough for a period of time in some businesses in the long run, it's not. And, you know, it's, it's funny. We, we oftentimes use analogies comparing like team sports to business. And, and the interesting thing is, is almost all of the things that we celebrate about the best of the best teams are things that many business owners who are celebrating those things as well, don't actually put into good practice within their own businesses. And it's understandable that there's creative genius. There's this idea that creates a product or a service. All of a sudden there is some inertia behind those things. And then all of a sudden, all of these other foundational elements kind of get lost or forgotten. And what I do think is really important to mention here is that because of the fact that you may be, have never done this, or perhaps it's been a long time since you've done it, all is not lost. These are things that you can still do within your business and you can do them in the here and now, but you have to commit to them and you have to recognize that this is a highly reflective exercise. This isn't, I get up at with a cup of coffee on a Saturday morning and I kind of knock it out. In order to really put together something that's meaningful, that you can be enthusiastic about, that you can expect your team to be enthusiastic about, that you can expect your team to understand and to live as part of kind of their, you know, everyday execution, you have to put the time and energy into the creation of these things. And so when we've talked previously about the Rhino Edge and and the idea around kind of the 25 fundamentals for business success, and the five pillars behind that, that first of the five pillars is reflection, because we understand that in order to really create a strong vision, strategy, and core values in your business, you have to reflect. And reflection is time-consuming, and it is an exhaustive exercise that you should really pour yourself into. And the outcome of that becomes really the launching pad for all of these other things that we've talked about today. That reflection leads to mindfulness because one, you know, as an executive coming into a company on a Monday morning, one has to be mindful that we have metrics that matter, but those metrics don't matter if our staff aren't galvanized behind our core values, 
and the vision, the strategy. You can paint those core values on your wall. You can walk in, you can read them. But if you're not living them day to day, if you're not talking about them in your stand-ups in the beginning of the week and maybe asking your staff, hey, what core value are you focusing on this week in engineering, in marketing, in CS? What core value do you think you're going to live this week? Or at the end of the week, after demo day, what core value did you live this week? Someone please give us an example. If you're not actively talking about it with an organization, it's clear that it, people are going to forget about it. And not because they're intentionally trying to forget about it, but just as you and I have just stated, there's so much going on in an organization that mindfulness matters, intentionality matters. It does. And it, 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 it's really quite simple. I mean, if, you, if you're paying attention to what's happened very recently and the, probably the, the biggest example of that, which is kind of very relevant now, is the recency of the Great Resignation and the inclusiveness of that of people at kind of all levels, regardless of their seniority and experience. And one of the things that continues to come up very routinely is that people want to do something that matters, that while flexibility and monetary gains and those types of things are really important to people, people will overlook things if they feel like they're valued, if they feel like they're contributing to something that they believe in, if they, if they recognize where they're going and understand their contribution to that. In the absence of these things, which so many seem to overlook and, and, and to some extent almost naysay is unimportant, all of the information and at the at scale exit from very experienced people over the last year proves the point that this is time well spent. And, it, and for the long-term health of your organization, it's absolutely crucial. The task is to transform abstract ideas into daily behaviors, and that is accomplished through recognition and reinforcement of desired behaviors, not solely by reading or gaining factual knowledge. That's where modern reward and recognition systems step in to fill that gap. Are there any books that you would recommend to our listeners that might be able to help chart them on the, on the way, put them on their way? Chart them on their course, put them on their course, put them yeah. on their course. Yeah, to a success related to vivid vision, related to vision, strategy, goals. Yeah, Vivid Vision by Cam Harold's a really good one. Um, it's simple, it's very straightforward. You know, Cam's had a lot of experience and one of the founders of one eight hundred got junk. I think huge. Regardless of your industry, it, it's it's a book that you can read, comprehend, and understand. You know, I like the straightforwardness of it. And then a really interesting and some kind of a simplistic book that I really liked that I read recently is called The One Hour Strategy. And the idea behind that really is that strategy is not a one-time exercise and that the continuity of strategy at all levels of your organization is critical to the ongoing success of your business. You know, really, that's that's a you know very recent one that's been released. I think within the last year or so, I I I do like it. I think it gets the mind going around how you can do that in a very simplistic but impactful way. What about you? 
You've taken my two my two great books. I've uh, I've got nothing right now. No, just <laughs> Harvard Business Review. If you Google Harvard Riz- Business Review OKRs, there's some wonderful um, Harvard Business Review articles on on the power of the OKR. Um, Asana, which is a tool um, which many people use, has some wonderful literature on the OKR. And interestingly enough. Uh, I learned this weekend that John Doerr, who is a VC for Kleiner Perkins and former top sales representative for Intel back in the 70s, is the individual that came up with the OKR. And uh, Clint, where do you think he originally hails from? I think he's from the great city of St. Louis. That is correct. Bingo. He is. So fun fact, uh, I did not know that. But he does have a book. That was uh, created a number of years ago, which still is very well regarded. You can find it on Amazon.com called Measure What Matters by John Doerr, D-O-E-R-R. With that, thanks for joining us. I'm Jason Carvello. And I'm Clint Overton. We'll see you next time.